as he speaks now, open our hearts to hear what you've got to say to us. Lord, write those things on our hearts that you want to say through him this morning. Anoint his words, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much, Jerry. Well, good afternoon. As, uh, as Jerry said earlier, we are really excited uh, as a church, and hopefully you're excited that Wednesday marks the start of Lent, uh, and I am particularly excited because it means that, obviously, the Tuesday is Pancake Day. So before we get into God's Word, why don't we take a moment just to turn to uh, your neighbor or maybe someone near to you, what is your favorite pancake topping? Take a moment, turn to people next to you, favorite pancake topping. What is absolutely amazing is that we are here as a community to worship Jesus and celebrate together. But I literally think that talking about pancakes has caused the most excitement in this place this morning. Um, so good. For, for me personally, uh, I cannot wait to dig into the fluffy American pancakes. Well done. There's literally booze coming at me. Tom Simpson, I see you booing at the back. Who... Who's going for the classic traditional lemon and sugar? Come on. You guys are missing out. Maple syrup and bacon. Come on. Bananas and Nutella. Oh, that wasn't as exciting, but yes, come on, bananas and Nutella. Pancake day is going to be exciting, but I wonder this morning how uh, you are preparing for Lent that we start on Wednesday. The season of 40 days as Jesus was wandering in the wilderness, in the desert, being tempted by the devil. How we can enter into this season of repentance and realigning ourselves in relationship with God. Maybe already you've started to think um, something that you're going to give up. Uh, over those 40 days of Lent, what you're going to fast, or perhaps something that you're thinking of taking up in order to draw near to God in this season. But our passage today, I think, is a, a, an exciting, timely reminder that as we enter into this season of Lent, that it is ultimately an invitation to intimacy with a loving Heavenly Father. Well, not only that, not only intimacy, but then out of that intimacy is an invitation to have an impact and to shine the love of God out to those around us in our workplaces, with our friends, with our family, for us, with our children, that we can have an impact in the way that we shine God's love. So what I'd love for you to do, um, there are Bibles on the side, or you might have your smartphones. Uh, I'd love for you to turn to Exodus chapter 34. So in the Old Testament, we're going to find out a little bit about this amazing character Moses and starting at verse 29 it is page 94 if you've got the blue bibles in the church 
And the title is, and it gives away the story, The Radiant Face of Moses. So chapter 34, starting at verse 29 to 35. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterwards, all the Israelites came near to him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Moses has traveled up for the second time in this passage to Mount Sinai to draw near to the presence of God. And God has given him this this set of rules, these commandments of how his people, the nation of Israel, are supposed to live. And so Moses has journeyed down the mountain again with these two large tablets of stone with the letters written of God's ten commandments. But Moses has failed to realize that his face is literally glowing through the presence of God. He is walking down, his face is radiant, glowing, illuminated, and he approaches the people of God, and they are fearful to draw near to him. Moses has stepped into the presence of God and is filled with so much glory that his face begins to shine. In the um, the original Hebrew of um, of this passage, It gives us a slightly interesting um, image of what's happened to Moses' face. It says in in the Hebrew translation, his face sent out horns of light. His face was so adapted by being in the glory and the presence of God that his face, it seems, pours out this horns of light. And for those that are um, particularly interested in in art, uh, Michelangelo has created this amazing sculpture of Moses portraying these two horns that are coming out. Now, for some of us, this might seem odd, but in another translation, the Latin translation, it says that Moses' face radiated and glowed with light. And firstly, this afternoon, I want to encourage us that when you step into the presence of God, expect to be changed. We've been uh, so excited as a church to celebrate um, the, the amazing healings that we've seen over the last few weeks. We've been excited to hear the stories of, of marriages that have been reconciled, that have been restored. We're excited to hear the stories of those that are in uh, financial difficulty or in particular circumstances that God is providing. When we draw near to God, he makes a difference. When we enter the presence of God, expect to be changed. I've become uh, really good friends with uh, Philippa who is part of our staff team here, and I'm sure a lot of you have come into contact with Philippa. And um, when, when I first came to St. John's uh, and knocked on the office door, first time of meeting Jerry to come and train here, Philippa on the staff team was the first person to welcome me, and she did so amazingly. She made me a cup of tea, and I sat down and had this 10-minute conversation with her. And if you've um, ever come close to Philippa face-to-face, she has these piercing, bright blue eyes that just scream, Welcome. 
But what's interesting about Philippa's story, and she um, said that she was happy for me to share this this morning, is that because of her circumstances in her life before becoming a Christian and meeting Jesus and entering into the presence of God, she said that her eyes actually were really dull. And actually, that she, she, she explains that it was almost like they were dead behind her eyes. But since entering into the presence of God, since accepting Jesus into her life, she says that her eyes have literally come to life. And what's amazing, again, when you enter into the presence of God, expect to be changed and perhaps physically changed. And this uh, amazing passage about Moses is, uh, I think, so important and so, um, so exciting and so beautiful that the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, uh, writes to the church in Corinth, and he writes a whole chapter of a letter all about this passage. And it's uh, in 2 Corinthians 3, um, and I do encourage you at some point to, to look into it and explore what it is that Paul is saying. But for us this morning, what does it mean for us, this passage of Moses' face shining? I want to give us two encouragements, that we want to shine with the love of God. And the way that we do that, we shine from relationship so that we can shine to reflect God to others. So we shine in relationship and we shine to reflect. In this passage, we, we find out that we are invited to relationship with God. Moses draws near into the presence of a loving father, but he is a God of second chances. He is a God of forgiveness. In this passage, Moses has made the trip up Mount Sinai for the second time. Because the first time when God has given him these rules of a way to live, he's returned back to the people of Israel. And they have been so fearful that Moses has been gone so long that they've started to take it into their own hands again. They've started creating this golden calf, this false idol, immorality, bad decisions. And Moses, in his righteous anger, breaks the stones in front of them. And later then makes the journey back up the mountain to ask God, what does he want to do? And God gives him the same commandments, the same rules of life, the same ways to live. And Moses returns back to the group of people. He is a God of second chances. No matter where you're at this morning, what you think that you may have said or done, the things that you feel you've messed up, he is a God of second chances. And this is an invitation as we've been singing this morning. It's an invitation of forgiveness. As we enter and we prepare for Lent, that it's an opportunity of 40 days to realign, to repent, to turn 180 and say, God, I'm sorry for the things I've done. And God, runs towards us as we've been singing. His goodness runs towards us. His freedom runs towards us. His forgiveness runs towards us because of his love. God of second chances. He's also a God that invites us to come close. What's interesting about the, um, the, the rules that God has given the people of Israel is that ultimately... It's rules that bring glory. Moses has spent time with God and his face is shining with the glory of God. But the people are fearful because they know that they cannot match up to what God is asking them to do. They cannot keep the rules. They cannot keep the commandments. Enter in God himself, Jesus Christ. 
Jesus steps into our mess and into our brokenness. We see the glory of God in the face of Moses, but it's faded glory. But we can see the fullness and the forever glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. If you want to experience the fullness of life, if you want to receive healing and freedom and forgiveness, come to Jesus. He is inviting you close. Moses has to wear a veil to protect the people of God from the fullness of God's glory. Jesus, we find out at Easter, dies on a cross and is resurrected. And when he dies on that cross for you and for me to show us his love, it says in the temple, the veil is torn in half. What separates us from drawing near to God is torn in half because of Jesus. And now through Jesus, we can come close to him. This season of Lent, you are invited by the heavenly father, God almighty, the one that is glorious and all powerful, that breathes out stars. He is inviting you close this season to draw near to him. He is a God of second chances. He's a God that invites us close. And in the passage in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul writes to the church to say, you are qualified. Not through anything you've done. You can't earn it or deserve it. But you are qualified to come close because of what Jesus has done. You can receive a greater glory because it is for all at all times. A few years ago, um, I was uh, asked to help out at my home church, uh, Alpha Group, and uh, I was thinking about who I wanted to invite, and I invited a friend and his girlfriend to, to come along. Uh, he'd never been to church before, um, he definitely didn't ever want to come to church, um, but I invited him to Alpha Course, and on the evening, I was really not expecting him to, to turn up. But as I was looking out, before the session started, I saw my friend and his girlfriend walking down the steps towards the church. And I was like, yes, Jesus, you've done it. You're so good. And he and his girlfriend got to the front door, to the threshold, and was about to walk in. And he just stopped. And there was almost a sense of panic came over his face. And so I kind of like quickly approached him. I was like, you're right. Like, welcome. It's great to have you. And he just went, I cannot come into this church if I step into this church, I know what I've done and God will burn me up. There's almost that sense of the glory and the power and the presence of God that when we feel far off, that we cannot step over the threshold, that we cannot come close. And he stood there and his girlfriend was kind of like, come on, let's go in, this is embarrassing. He was like, I cannot come closer. And in the end, they walked off. They wouldn't come in. There's that sense of when we feel far off, we cannot come close to a God of love and a God of power. That same course and that same evening, a couple from down the road had never been to church. Uh, their story is that they were having um, some difficulties with their marriage. Uh, they tried counseling separately and together and things weren't improving. And so they said, we need something bigger and higher than what we've tried to help us. We're going to go to the church. Uh, and they came to the Alpha course, and on the second evening, they walked through the door, and both of them dramatically encountered the love of the Holy Spirit. The presence of God came on them, so much so that actually the, the husband said that he described it almost as like lightning bolts from heaven just whacked him and took away all of the rubbish that he'd done, all the fear that he had. 
they gave their lives to Jesus and their marriage has never been stronger, they said. There's that sense of when we draw near to the presence of power of God, we are all qualified. You are all qualified to come close. So we shine from relationship, that you are forgiven, that you are loved, that you are invited to come close, so that you then shine the love of God to others, that you reflect the glory of God to other people. And again, in this passage in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul writes about what this looks like. And he speaks about how you are a letter of God that everyone can read. If people want to know what Jesus is like, they're going to be looking at Christians to model what Jesus is like and what he's doing in the church, what he's doing in the world. You are a written letter that people are constantly watching. You are a written letter to your kids. You're a written letter to your friends. You're a written letter towards your workplaces. They are looking at you saying, if you're a follower of Jesus, what does life look like? Are you showing them hope and joy and peace and freedom? What is it that you are doing over this season of Lent? Is it something that you're giving up? Or maybe you're thinking of taking something up to show the love of God to others. Um, a few years ago, I signed up, I think it was with, um, with stewardship, this kind of online resource material for Lent, and it was, it was called 40 Acts, uh, and it would give you this challenge uh, once a day to show love to those around you. It would include things like, I wasn't very good at this, but like baking a cake for your neighbor, or uh, inviting a friend to McDonald's or something like and buying them a milkshake. Um, what was interesting was that it started really well, but I realized a week in that my intentions for doing this were completely wrong. What was happening was they suggested, do this challenge, post it on social media to encourage other people to do it, which is great, but what often happens with social media, as we know, is often that our intentions become slightly distorted. And what I was doing was, I was doing this wonderful, glorious act to show out, shine out the love of God, posting it realistically on social media, just so people go, isn't Lewis wonderful? What we find is, is that we repeat the, the tradition of trying to reach the rules that God has placed. That we have to be perfect, that we have to be modeling something, that we have to be constantly showing love, that we constantly have to be gracious. And we can never, ever reach that. But the beautiful thing is, is that God says, receive, not achieve. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. He has simply given us the free gift of receiving and shining out his love. This Lent season, you are encouraged and invited to come close, not so that you can then be like, look at me and my relationship with Jesus. We're invited to come close, not so that we have to shine out the love of God, but so that we want to. Rather than it being written on a stone externally, it is written on our hearts. We become like God. We feel like God. We speak like God. We shine like God. And as we come into land, Paul gives us um, two encouragements of how we do this. Firstly, that we are given boldness by the Spirit. And secondly, the Spirit sets us free. There is freedom as well. You are a letter of God that everyone can read. So shine for God's 
glory. We were singing this morning in the family worship, you are a city on the hill. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. Has anyone ever noticed that these songs just embed in your head throughout the week? And you'll, you'll be eating breakfast going, let your light shine, let your light... And your wife's looking at you like, are you right? <laughs> it's really taking its toll. You are a city on the hill. Don't put yourself under a basket. Don't hide yourself. Let the glory of God in his presence shine out of you. Be bold to shine the light out. And it says where the spirit is, there is freedom. We are in a culture that needs freedom. Freedom from comparison, freedom from fear, from chaos. Will you let the light of God as you draw near come and pour light into the darkness? Come and bring freedom to set the captives free that we would reflect and show the love of God. So we shine and we radiate as we come from relationship with God.